Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV is presented by the Basketball Tournament. Syracuse fans, the Basketball Tournament is coming to Syracuse this July 22-25. Catch all the action live at SRC Arena as the Syracuse alumni team Bayheim's Army looks to defend their 2021 championship and win $1 million back-to-back. Tickets start at just $12 per game and you'll catch Bayheim's Army up to three times. Don't miss it. Tickets available now at thetournament.com slash Syracuse. That's the tournament.com forward slash Syracuse. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about Buddy Beheim's NBA chances and a critical offseason for Syracuse football and lacrosse. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is our great friend, NBA scout, Ryan Blake. Ryan, appreciate the time as always. How are you today? I'm doing good. You doing all right? Yeah, Ryan, doing well, and glad we're able to live evaluate NBA prospects after two years away. And we'll get you started on this one. You were able to see Buddy Beheim at the G League Elite Camp. How did he do? Yeah, I think, well, for Buddy, I think he did well. Uh, he didn't have a great shooting day the, the first day. Uh, in terms of the game, uh, he took all his shots from behind the arc, which is, you know, he's a sniper. He, you know, that's what he does. That's one of his big strengths. Uh, but along with that, he was able to, you know, he's like that, you know, he comes from the pedigree of great coaching because you can just see how he, even though he wasn't shooting the ball well, how he made himself um, not a, he integrated himself into the game. He let the game come to him. He didn't force things. Um, when things weren't falling his way, he played both ends of the floor. And then, of course, on the second day, you know, he shot, you know, shot the ball lights out. He's an old buddy. Um, and that's what I like about him. You know, he has uh, good composure. Um, uh, he, you know, he, as a professional, you know, in, in these events, um, you're trying to, you know, not just show the NBA scouts, hey, what I can do, um, but it's also an interview process. You know, you're, you're showing that you're going to the next level. You want to go to the next level. Your your approach to the game is a professional manner. You know, so you're not just going out there. It's about me. It's also about playing basketball. It's about trying to win. Um, and that's, you know, what, what I tell the players uh, at Portsmouth, um, as I tell them, I said, hey, listen, if if you're worrying about how you're doing, then that's when problems are going to start. And he was able to just play within the flow of the game uh, at at Chicago. Ryan, you've seen a lot of NBA talent over the years. Do you find that Buddy Beheim's shooting and specifically his timing, release, and footwork is a plus NBA skill? And I think that's a good thing that you bring up. The timing, footwork, how do you get open, how do you move away from the ball is very important. Seeing the angles of the court, not just uh, to delivering the ball to somebody else, but to get, also to get open. And that's also all the other intangibles 
that had come along with it from setting good screens, hedges, icing, all that kind of stuff is so important. And he knows that, you know, it's just a good, he has an overall feel for the game. Shooting wise, you know, when you're six, six and you have that kind of touch, that is always going to be something that's warranted in our game, especially in the NBA game. Now we're, you know, watching now all the games that have including our combine. There's a lot of trees going on. However, it's not just that. It's opening up, you know, it's whether it's defending on one-on-one, okay? Defending on one-on-one, where the kick's going to go, the separation, the movement, all that kind of stuff is so important. Um, And and, and there's an advantage coming from, you know, a a great coach like like their father, like his father, um, and you see that. So does he have the ability to play at the next level? In the NBA, and I think that's what the NBA teams are still going to try to figure out. You know, whether he gets drafted in the second round, uh, if he doesn't get drafted, he's going to have um, a lot of inquiries and uh, for the summer league, and that's going to be important too. So this whole draft process that we continue to go through continues to go through the summer, and for many players, it will continue uh, to training camp in October. One concern is obviously on the defensive side of the ball. Did you see enough athleticism from Buddy Beheim on defense where you think he can consistently stay in front of NBA-level guards? Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's always going to be the, uh, a question for, for him. I think not just from the testing, which he did okay, the, the ability to – you know, I, I try to compare this to someone like um, Steve Nash, and I'm not comparing these two players – However, it's not just athleticism to keep in front. You know, it's just how to get there. It's the um, anticipation, all those kind of skills, too, that you might not have that fast twitch quickness that other athletes have. Uh, And I see a little bit of that in him, you know, where he's like, okay, well, there's – you might take – for example, like he'll be – we're coming off a hedge, all right, uh, or string, all right, and and he has a – he has a good anticipation of whether to go under or over the screen. He's also a good enough leader to direct other teammates, and that's also what I like. So those are little intangibles. It's still going to be a question, um, and I think this process, as we can keep going to tiers and tiers and, and through summer league, those questions will you'll have a better idea through a, a, a better product or length of work. Ryan, I wanted to move away from Buddy Beheim and onto some other Syracuse players. You mentioned the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament. That's a tournament you helped run as an NBA scout. There were two other Syracuse players there. I wanted to start with Cole Swider. What did you like and dislike about his game? Well, first off, Portsmouth, we haven't had it for two years uh, because of the pandemic. And this year, um, we had a great group, a strong group of players. Like right now, we have... You know, we have, I think, two players that have kind of, like, leveled up again. Darius Dave going into our combine. Uh, we just had a very, very strong Portsmouth, and it was one to run great. And everybody there did not hurt themselves. And, you know, you'll usually have guys that just play bad or whatever, you know, and they're done, right? You know, you might have a few of that. But everybody there, they came in very motivated. And Cole was one of those players. You know, having, you know, having had a pretty good season at Syracuse after, you know, uh, when he left Villanova, you know, 
he came into a totally different system. And he was able, as a big that could really shoot the ball, you know, we were excited to have him down in Portsmouth. Problem was, is he didn't shoot the ball that well. You know, his his big strength <laughs> was, you know, shooting it from outside, and uh, he didn't shoot the ball that well. However, I was so happy seeing he played both ends of the floor, man. He, you know, he he really, really worked hard on both ends of the floor. Um, he made other players better. Um, he got to the rim. He rebounded. All those things that you want. Okay, that's great. You're not shooting the ball well. We know the guy can shoot, you know. We're not going to eliminate him from three games and go, okay, the guy can't shoot. He just can't get, get enough uh, shots against quicker players or anything like that. We know he can shoot. And although he did not shoot the ball well, we were, I think for the most part we were happy to see him compete the way that he did and not get down on himself because those shots weren't falling. Um, he you know, really played as a good teammate. And I think that's going to resonate with uh, opening up doors for NBA teams to – bring him in for individual workouts and uh, summer league. So he averaged 12 points, but he only shot like 12% from beyond the arc. And Ryan, we'll get you out of here on this one. The same question about Cole Swider, but for Syracuse's other guy, Jimmy Beheim. how did he do? I really liked, uh, you know, the, the thing about him is that you could tell right away, well, wow, this is fast paced. You know, this is a fast paced game. And again, just like his teammate Swiderman, he put in a heck of an effort, you know, just to uh, to, to compete. Um, he shot the ball well um, when he was there. He only averaged around eight points. Um, he had a couple bad games when things weren't falling, but man, you know, I, he he hit the boards hard. He competed so hard, and when things were going for him, like I mean, he just he was a great passer. Uh, he was a good leader. There was a lot of things to like about uh, what he did. And, you know, coming again, you know, he had those great, you know, he had a couple of those great games during the season. You go, you know, wow, can he can he keep this up? And it, it just keeps getting your interest. You know, the guy, you know, again, with that size, you know, six, seven, six, eight, that can shoot the ball and play, you know, a number of different positions. Again, question is going to be defense. But I still think, you know, here's a guy that's going to get individual workouts. He's going to get the opportunity in the summer league. Ryan, thanks again for coming on the program. Again, NBA scout Ryan Blake doing an incredible job of breaking down the three Syracuse players who are turning pro. Ryan, we appreciate it as always. Enjoy the NBA draft, and we'll speak with you soon. All right. Thanks for having me, Wes. Always great to chat with Ryan, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online editor-in-chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, this is our first podcast of the 2022 offseason. Syracuse has three major sports. I wanted to get started with football. Dino Bapers is coming off a 5-7 and seven season, but has had an encouraging offseason so far. What are your thoughts about the Syracuse football team? Okay, Wes, uh, of course, uh, this is the most important season upcoming for the football team in Dino Bapers' regime. I remember writing last year how the road game at Ohio University was the most important opening game of his uh, tenure at Syracuse. Of course, that's going to be replaced by the Louisville opener coming up in September, a conference game in the Dome, albeit, uh, but to start with a ACC game is really a tough way to go, especially against the Louisville program that Syracuse only is 1-7 and seven against in uh, ACC games. 
So heading into, you know, the, the time where the team is practicing on its own in the month of June, uh, then uh, the, the ACC festivities for the preseason happen in July. And then, of course, the officials start a practice at the beginning of August. But the, the news to me in college football and how it really is going to affect the Syracuse program it re- revolves around two items here, uh, name, image, and likeness, uh, and how that's going to play out. And then moving forward, how Syracuse is going to adjust its recruiting philosophy in mixing in to make sure it's taking advantage of the transfer portal. So first on the NIL, well, it's certainly been a noteworthy offseason with some of the big-name college coaches, such as Nick Saban at Alabama uh, and uh, Jimbo Fisher at, at Texas A&M, you know, talking about, you know, are players being posed? Is this really turning into the collegiate version of free agency, Pittsburgh losing its top five receiver, Addison, to USC? So th- this is the issue, and it's really going to start to uh, expose, you know, the haves and the have-nots on the FBS level among the Power Five teams, in which, of course, Syracuse resides in the ACC, and the group of five teams or the independents. And, and it's going to be really important for Syracuse to be staying competitive in, in this because it's going to have such a big impact on not only recruits from the high school level, but players coming in from the transfer portal. So we, we, the talk has been that Syracuse is working feverishly over the summer. Uh, they can't do anything official, but is providing all of the information necessary to local area business people, uh, out-of-town people, supporters, alumni of the program, of what they have to do to form the first collective for Syracuse Athletics. And it's going to be critical, that, that, in my opinion, that that gets done this summer and is in place heading into the fall and football season as recruiting, of course, picks up for both basketball in the early signing period in November and then, of course, football's early signing period in December. So my thoughts really stand around how will Syracuse compete in the NIL world of college football and if they'll maintain a different recruiting philosophy and making sure they're very active in the transfer portal in addition to recruiting traditionally uh, scholastic talent. Brad, moving on to basketball, Syracuse finished with a losing record under Jim Beheim for the first time in his long coaching tenure, but they made some major roster moves in the offseason. What are you seeing here? Well, Wes, as the first uh, non-conference games are announced, what stands out to me about the early look of the schedule is it needs to be certainly a lot lighter than it was last season uh, with the trip to the Bahamas and then, uh, you know, games in, in non-conference play against teams like Villanova. And then, of course, you're always going to have a pretty tough game in the ACC Big Ten Challenge Series. So the schedule has to be lighter because this is a completely different roster overhaul going into next season uh, with, with all the freshmen that are coming in and are going to make contributions. So great to see a schedule so far with teams such as Lehigh, which was going to be on the schedule last year. Always great to play the traditional rival Colgate, despite the uh, final score in last year's game, uh, the dominating win by the Red Raiders in the second half. And a team like Bryant, a a very competitive team uh, at that level. And then the the ability in the uh, tournament, uh, the games in Brooklyn against, you know, teams like St. John's, Richmond, and Temple, and throw in another game against Georgetown in the Dome. That's the kind of schedule and competition I like to see to get next year's roster ready for ACC play. And don't forget, there's likely to be an ACC game early in the season. And the other thing that stands out, and 
I really enjoyed uh, reading your article on, you know, what you'd like to see from the roster going into next season. And what stood out to me in, in reading that is this really is going to be uh, a season that could be determined by how well freshmen play. I, I think you're going to see two in the starting lineup in Justin Taylor and Judah Mintz. And I, I think you're going to see big contributions off the bench from at least Chris Brunch and uh, Malik Brown, uh, if not Kadir Copeland, maybe on a secondary level. And then bring, you know, having the experience of Samir Torrance there coming off the bench uh, for the backcourt. Really a lot of depth there. And I, I really love a potential starting five lineup of Taylor, Benny Williams, Jesse Edwards in the middle, uh, Minson, and Joe Girard, who I think is just going to have a phenomenal season. Uh, in his last campaign in the backcourt. So really enjoyed that and, and really stood out to me about this is really going to be the season where we see contributions from as many as four freshmen, which is very unusual for a Jim Beheim coach team. And Brad will end on lacrosse. Gary Gates' team suffering a 10-loss season, then they missed the NCAA tournament. There's a lot that needs to happen in this offseason. What are your thoughts on the lacrosse team? Well, this kind of mirrors uh, football uh, in, in a sense, Wes, because – Again, uh, lacrosse world has changed so much now with the transfer portal as well. Uh, Syracuse picked up a great player and uh, MIDI attackman Alex Simmons from Denver, uh, who's going to join fellow Canadian uh, Hilton in the starting lineup next year. Really uh, enjoyed watching his film, and he, he's just a dynamic uh, player, uh, big and strong, but really athletic and really can uh, you know shoot the ball and score, and that's really what Syracuse is going to need moving into next season. If one thing that certainly stood out in the losing campaign this year under Gary Gate, who's known for his offense, was the lack of the attack players being able to create their own offense and relying on Tucker Dordovic and Brendan Curry, the All-Americans, and now losing Dordovic, conversely, in the transfer portal, just reinforces to me how important it is for Gary Gate uh, Coach Petromala and uh, Pat March to really score in the in the transfer portal. I mean, Syracuse, elite program, a legendary program. So there's certainly a lot of attractive capability uh, characteristics of the program that are going to be interested to uh, transfer ca- transfer candidates, and are really uh, going to be interested to see. I, I think they'll be able to do well in scholastic recruiting, getting the high school players. That's already evident in the next two years' classes, but also in really important to be able to pick up the right players in this very competitive world of Division One lacrosse uh, to transfer into the program to have two, three, or even four years of eligibility. And Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts? Certainly a historic week, Wes, with the uh, official naming of the, the, the dome now, the JMA Wireless Dome or the JMA Dome. Uh, uh, just, you know, uh, a great, great partnership for Syracuse Athletics uh, because of the annual uh, fees that they're going to get as the, as the rights fees and how that's going to be able to, you know, really help an athletic department that needs all the revenue it can get to, again, compete with the other teams in the ACC and the other Power Five conferences. But, you know, what it also shows to me is the, the university is, is making a commitment. I mean, they are making the effort to move forward, uh, you know, spe- raise the private money to do the first round of dome renovations, lobbied with the state of New York to get state funds to now move forward with continuing these renovations and really turning the venue into a a facility that can match, you know, peers around the country. And that really always wasn't the case, Wes. Uh, Syracuse lagged behind for a while in facilities 
and all the bells and whistles that go along with that, all the uh, amenities for, for the fans. And I really think Syracuse has got caught up and even moved a little bit forward in that game now with this partnership with JMA and creating this great wireless technology, 5G technology to come in. And you know, certainly not only will that make the experience that much more enjoyable for fans who are, are just used to in a, a fast-paced world today and uh, fast Internet to be able to, you know, just press buttons and be able to get their what they want to do, whether that's, you know, texting or going on social media or finding information while in a game. Not only will it do that and not only will it do all the attributes that were talked about in the uh, press conference uh, with the university and JMA about uh, the, the, the fancy technology on the sidelines and the ability to quickly uh, – look at plays and analyze plays, try to get a competitive edge from that standpoint, that's that's all just fantastic. And uh, taking the other step of, you know, thinking about fans, what can we do now that the Carrier Dome has a fixed roof? We don't have the issue here with going in and out of the building and the air and, and all of that. And so building the addition at the East End to have that facility, because that's what's needed today. Uh, spectators don't just want to be, you know, in their seat. They want to be able to walk around. They want to be able to congregate. They want to socialize. And the university recognizes all of this and, and is making that commitment. So it really stands out to me that, that Syracuse is moving forward as a private school, doing the best it can in raising funds and, and making these improvements. And that really stands out to me uh, moving into the 2022 season. Let's, let's move past what was, you know, a very disastrous uh, campaign for football, basketball, and lacrosse from a one-loss record standpoint and move forward and put all these new uh, amenities and these new uh, the new technology and just th- the fact that it's showing Syracuse can be progressive from an athletic department standpoint. Brad, my closing thoughts are on the Syracuse women's lacrosse team who saw their 2022 season come to an end with a 15-4 loss to Northwestern in the NCAA tournament quarterfinals. A disappointing end to the year, but there were definitely some positives. Syracuse finished the season 15-6, and and with a goal in the quarterfinals, Megan Tyrell notched her 200th career goal, just a seventh player in program history to hit that milestone. So congratulations to the team on a successful season. That's it for us. We're Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that how order does matter word much anyway. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice and the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.